Hello and welcome to YHTV's Trinity of Life. I'm Christina Suzuma, and I thank you for joining me for this episode where we delve further into our experiences or the experience of others as um, we use it for guidance and clarity and knowledge and uh, adventure in this case. And again, thank you for joining me. Today we have with us a very special individual. He has just had a wonderful adventure with a group of his followers, his students, um, as they ventured through the highest pass, the highest passes of India. Anand Morokra, founder and master teacher of Sattva Yoga. He was born and raised in Rishikesh, India, and taught by some of the elders in the yogic traditions. And we are so grateful to have him here with us today as he shares with us his life and his experiences of his journey. Hello and welcome, Anand. Hello, Christina. Very nice to be with you. Thank you. It's so wonderful to have you here in Los Angeles. Um, hopefully we will uh, be able to actually interview you in person again shortly. <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice. It's nice to be here in LA. The weather is beautiful. It is. It is. Well, I hear the weather in India is very beautiful as well. Yeah, it is. But right now it's uh, getting pretty hot there. So, Anand, tell us a little bit about yourself, of your of your childhood, huh? and how you came to be where you're at right now. You know, uh, I was born, uh, fortunate to be born in where I was born in Rishikesh, you know, which is often called the birthplace of yoga. And uh, growing up, I was surrounded by masters. You know, my one of my first masters was present when I was born. He's the one who named me. His name was uh, Brahmachari Ananda Sarup. And uh, so the moment I was born, he named me after himself. His name was Ananda Sarup and he named me Anand. So I grew up kind of in that consciousness surrounding me, you know. And uh, as a, since a childhood, I was always fascinated by this, uh, uh, you know, fierce aliveness that I saw around me of these beings which were, you know, fearless, mystical approach to life, yeah. and uh, which was a constantly a source of inspiration, you know. And then, of course, as we all know, it's even though you might have uh, the opportunity around you, you have to step up to take the opportunity. And uh, uh, that was in grace enough to step up to the opportunity. And, you know, I took all these possibilities that were there to, to go deep within myself and to seek a, a deeply liberating life, you know. Mm. So I grew up in Rishikesh and then went up and studied all over, you know, going up in the mountains, studying with the masters and then our own experience. And then, of course, having the Western education. And I started to travel at a young age, teaching first in Europe and, uh, and Asia, and then eventually now to America in the last couple of years or so. Oh, wonderful. So, so, Anand, what about your parents? I mean, were they both involved in yoga? Yeah, as a way of life, yeah, but they're not by... You know, uh, that's not how they make a living. That's, my father is a is a jeweler. You know, he owns a big jewelry business and uh, and handicrafts, and he works with artists, and that's his passion. But uh, they have always lived a yogic lifestyle. You know, very active in the community, 
you know, setting up foundations to help the needy people. So it's always been a, a yogic way of life. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And do you have siblings? Yeah, I have uh, on on a physical level, you know, if you talk on a traditional sense, two sisters. But I feel I have many siblings, you know. Yes, of course. And are they are your sisters older than you? Yeah, both. Oh, so you were the spoiled little young one, as they we, they would consider it in the Western world. <laughs> <laughs> so, and and did your sisters at all follow the traditions? That, I mean, yes, you lived more of a yogic lifestyle, um, but did your your siblings also uh, uh, do the same as you did? I mean, um, are they mm -hmm. involved in the yogic traditions at all no. away from life? Not away from life. It's it, for them. It is uh, just within their life, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. within their life. And uh, we are not not in the way that I am involved. Yeah. And and for your parents, um, what is their? Uh, do they share with you how they feel about you in your path that you've chosen to to uh, venture on? Yeah, they are always very deeply, you know, excited with it, and they are deeply uh, uh, interested in what I have to share, you know, uh, on the teachings level. Because, you know, I'm not so. I'm. I always talk about there are two traditions. You know, there is a time-bound tradition and there is a timeless tradition. You know, the timeless tradition has to be honored, and the time-bound tradition has to keep changing and evolving, as the times change. You know, to fit it with the evolutionary needs of humanity. So. Growing up with the master, but what I'm sharing in the way we bring what I'm bringing to is is very different and new. Then, uh, so they are very interested in hearing this perspective and uh, are very engaged in that definitely. Mm -hmm. And you know, also, I've set up two foundations in India. You know, uh, one for children, Kushi Foundation, which is for works with kids, and then one uh, called Sattva Foundation, which works with the elderly homeless people and the elderly, and they are very actively involved in that, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it, are there organizations throughout India or mainly in Rishikesh? No, I mean, Kushi uh, is predominantly based in Rishikesh. You know, we have 300 kids now there uh, coming from the, you know, the poorest area of Rishikesh, uh, orphans, and mm -hmm. we supply, you know, we give them all the support they need. They study yoga and meditation. They study, you know, all the conventional subjects vocational studies and uh, you know all the health care and food and clothing so we provide everything that they require mm -hmm. and then the Sattva Foundation is now uh, is growing slowly you know I started it in Dehradun in a bigger city the it started with the this vision of really that every human being has the right to uh, you know healthy food mm -hmm. you know and and clothing and so that's where I started the Sattva Foundation with we started in Dehradun and now when I go back to India, my vision is to bring it to Delhi, you know, and uh, and uh, collaborate with different individuals. Wonderful. So yeah. when people come to train with you, they're they're yeah. coming to your Sattva Yoga Foundation because I I see that that's the name of your website. Yes, yes. So you know, I've apart from the charity foundations and all the different things, I also have a big center there in India. You mm -hmm. know, in the base of the Himalayas, called the Sattva Center. Very beautiful, right on the. Ganga River, you know, surrounded with the uh, lower Himalayas. So it's perfect place for studying, you know, and, and evolution in a very comfortable setting. 
So yeah, that's where they come and study people from all over the world. It's a growing community there. You know, we offer all different programs for, you know, all deep yoga practices to Tantra, to Vedas and uh, evolutionary sciences and uh, holistic medicine, Ayurveda. All, we have our own organic farm, so it's a self-sustained community. Mm, all the food it. that is produced there comes from our own. I started a couple of farms too with the villagers, so it's all organic farming. You know, I think that's the model for the future. You know, we need self-sustained communities. Right, right. <clears throat> Very good. So I, I want to know, I mean, I mean, you're young, you're vibrant. Mm-hmm. I mean, how is it growing up? How is it growing up for you? Sort of, you know, having these um, masters, these, I, I call them wisdom keepers, the elders, teaching you mm-hmm. and guiding you. And yet, you know, there's that part, but there's also the part, as you say, that is life, that, that, that we live um, what I call the linear life, basically, and what we have to go through um, growing up as children and experiencing what we need to experience as the human being. I mean, what was that like? I mean, were you naughty like I was? <laughs> Did oh, you yeah, experience all I these wasn't... things and push the envelope? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't naughty. I still am. I think, you know, I was always a rebel and I still am. You know, I love, uh, you know, my master was not so so very controlling or, you know, so very, okay, this is how it has to be. But they were not very linear in their teaching. So it was, uh, you know, about stepping into the unknown and finding your own power. Mm-hmm. And for that to come into your own power, you have to constantly step into the nonsense, you know. <laughs> because uh, you know if you are only in the sense then evolution cannot happen you have to keep stepping into the unknown and to step into the unknown you have to be uh, breaking the rules and, and pushing the borders you know constantly and only then evolution can occur you know for the teachings and for us as human beings so I've always been a big uh, uh, adventurer in life you know mm-hmm. constantly seeking radical uh, aliveness so yeah, it's since childhood, it was. I was always in the mundane school when I was going, so I was always on the line. <laughs> <laughs> so, were you one of those that enticed everyone else in the group to uh, do everything that was cutting edge? <laughs> yeah, you know, I was always uh, had this leadership thing, so I was always the you know. And the good thing in India is, you know, if you can really go be good in your in your mundane education stuff, you know, mm-hmm. you know, get good marks and really come out with planker so you can be naughty and then you can get through, you know, get away with a lot. So, <laughs> you know, I was smart to get uh, what was needed to, to be done, you know, and then uh, always made room to to be playful, you know. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, well yeah. yes, I can see how it's kind of led into your lifestyle now where, your your um, retreats are these wonderful motorcycle rides through the highest pass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I heard from another one of your students that you just took them all bungee jumping the last time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so what happens when, for example, you've got a group of students and you're um. You go, okay, well, you're, you're going to face a fear and, and we're take going bungee jumping. And what if like <laughs> half the students are going, oh, well, we love that. That's not a fear. We love that. And we're just going to go play. Whereas half the group yeah. is like, oh, I'm facing my fear. What do you do with the half that is just 
that that's not even considered their their fear, facing a fear. What do you do with that hat? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, when you, as I say, you always have, you know, it's not about what you are afraid of. Uh, it's about fear. You know, when, then when you are afraid, you can, it, it can sometimes be a fear of, you know, abandonment or fear of not having enough or fear of heights or fear of anything. It's a psychological, as you know, thing, fear. And then different people might be afraid of different things. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to be afraid to, to have fun jumping from a high height, you know. <laughs> so the... For some, it becomes about transcending and finding that deep trust in themselves. And some for, for the others, it becomes a deep possibility to support, mm-hmm. to support the other people, you know, who are going through that to become pillars for them. And so that they may, they may become pillars for them when it's their turn, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's a great opportunity for people to, to connect in the community. You know, I'm a, uh, I always have have had this vision of that people, if they come together, in, you know, in community and supporting each other and they can really forget about themselves and their stories, they can be much more at ease and the best part of us can come out when we have a, an opportunity to support and to give to, to each other, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious because that one student of yours says, I was so scared. <laughs> I said, well, would you do it again? And he said, oh, yes. <laughs> that was good. That was good. <laughs> so, so Anand, this trip that you took um, with this core, which was your first time on motorcycles, and, you know, I also heard about how crazy you were on the motorcycle, but, you know, here you are brought up in a city, you know, like I'm, I'm, mo- I'm very familiar with the Asian way of riding motorcycles in Asia where there's like, five to six people piled on one motorcycle and they're swerving in and out. So, so I've seen that happen. I've been in the midst of that happening. Um, but I, I know through some of the interviews with some of your, <clears throat> your followers, they were saying how absolutely on edge and how terrifying it was, you know, riding through the streets of Rishikesh. And here you are just buzzing in and out like, like it's completely second wind. Of course, you were brought up there. Um, did you, I mean, I, being brought up on the motorcycles and being brought up in that kind of environment where there's lots of cars, there's lots of traffic going on, um, and then bringing this group of riders, I mean, how did that ever come to be? How did you, was was it you who thought of this trip, or, or was it Adam, your producer, or or how did it you happen? Know, first thing about... About the familiarity and unfamiliarity, you see, I mean, right now I'm riding in Los Angeles and when people heard it's like, whoa, that's very scary to ride in L.A. So, you know, I never <laughs> rode here in L.A. before and right now I've been riding in L.A., you know, all around and I really enjoy it. So I think it's uh, uh, when we allow ourselves silence, you know, we can become very quickly familiar with anything mm-hmm. because, you know, this is our planet. So it is uh, when we what we call familiarity and unfamiliarity is only to do with memory. You know, we don't have enough memory of that experience, but we can, uh, there is a, you know, supercomputer within us, mm-hmm. you know, which can give us access to uh, information or to experiences beyond memory. And that's what yoga is all about, you know, to mm-hmm. access that. That's what Kundalini Shakti is. When we talk about that, that's infinite potential in us, which can take us to experiences, to visions beyond our conditioned information. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was why this I, I always am offering these opportunities 
to really tap into that Kundalini awakening, you know, to that uh, immense potential for us, for every human being involved, you know. So this uh, project, you know, this trip, I was going to do the trip alone, you know. Uh, I was going to go alone to, to this ride because I'd been to Leh before, but I had never been through this route, you know. Uh, and uh, I, I had heard from... Uh, couple of people how magnificent it was and I really wanted to go there so I was going to go alone but Adam uh, asked you know he had been to India with me studying uh, for a couple of months the year before and then uh, I was in LA I was in America teaching just for two three weeks you know on a very short visit and he said I really want to come back I was on my way to Europe he said I want to come back and study more in India with you and I said I don't really have time because I'm going to be traveling, you know, I'm traveling with for my busy schedule all over. So, but I have this one month window when I'm going to be in India, but I'm doing this bike trip, you know, and uh, you are more than welcome to come for that. And he said, well, I don't know how to ride. I said, well, you'll learn. That's not an issue. So <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's how it started. And uh, in that moment, then I thought, you know, if I'm offering into one student, it's only is... Uh, Dharmic if we offer it to you know few more few more people because I knew if taking one or taking seven or eight would be same mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know same amount of and it might even actually help the experience of, of uh, Everybody involved, you know, so I said okay, we'll take seven more people for the seven chakras, you know, so We offered it up and then in that moment we decided you know what since we are offering it. Let's offer this journey to uh, for to the rest of the people through by making a documentary of it, you know, so that we can, uh, it's the bike journey becomes a metaphor for life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's where we began and we, uh, you know, uh, wrote the proposal and Adam sent it out and uh, that's how it got together. <laughs> and I, I noticed that you may be doing that all over again. Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, a lot of people have been asking to go again. And uh, this time we are going in uh, September, October. I leave from America and then I go to Russia to teach for a, for a week or so. And then I'll be back in India and then we'll do this trip. Not the same route. We are going to a whole different part of the Himalayas. But, mm. uh, you know, Badrinath, you know, which is the the land of Babaji. You know, if you, if those of you familiar with uh, Babaji, you know, mm -hmm. the the Shiva Yogi and uh, going to these caves where I used to go, you know, when I was young, going to these powerful caves and vortexes, so it will be, and staying in villages, so it will be a more uh, uh, mellow trip, but uh, nevertheless very powerful on an experiential level. So no more snow and ice for you right now? There will be snow, but uh, we'll be trekking the snow instead of riding the bike because uh, there are no roads. <laughs> so there we'll ride the bike to certain places and to, we'll then hike up the glacier. Like we will go to Gangotri where the Ganges starts from, you know, the origin of Ganga. Mm -hmm. So the only way to get there is by trekking. So mm -hmm. it'll be a combination of trekking and biking and, and above all meditating and, and really having a great time. Oh, lovely, <laughs> lovely. It sounds wonderful. Yeah. And how long is that trip going to be? Uh, uh, 21 days. Wow. Yeah. That, that's a, that's a long one because this, this, um, the last one that you did, wasn't that just like 14 days? I mean, the whole experience about 21 days, you know, when they landed from flight to the land, landing in India to taking off. 
was about 21 days. So, you know, you need that much time. So you'll come and we'll spend some time in Rishikesh and really getting to know and getting grounded in the teachings and the practice. And uh, we start from Rishikesh and come back to Rishikesh. Mm, lovely. Lovely. That, that yeah. sounds like a wonderful experience. Yeah, oh, it's fun. I like the part of the motorcycles. I love motorcycles. So that's the part I love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll have motorcycles. And then for those of people, you know, who can't ride, they'll be in the Jeeps and you can, you know, always be riding the as a passenger too on the bike. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so <laughs> bungee jumping, motorcycle riding. What, what next? What else? What else can uh, you think of? I don't think much. It just comes to me, you know. So <laughs> we'll see what what the universe, what what Divine Mother wants, you know, what wants me to explore new, you know. Uh, right now, being in LA, I realize that uh, we need to open a Sattva center here, you know. Now we have a couple of centers, big centers in India. You know, there is one opening in a couple of in a, probably end of this year in South Africa and Russia. Soon, so it makes sense that we open one in uh, in LA. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When you say centers, so, when you say centers, can you elaborate a little bit on that for me? You know, centers of learning. I mean, yoga and meditation, but all the wisdom teachings and and uh, the all that I share and all that I have learned. You know, all the sattva teachings for people, for communities to come together, and also a center for where we can develop more outreach programs and and service programs. You know, so mm -hmm. right now. It just came to me that that's what needs to happen. So we are looking into places and uh, seeing if we can open a sattva center in LA before I leave. And then who would, I mean, who would be teaching at that center when you're gone? Yeah, there will be the people already who have done trainings with me from LA and, uh, and uh, different places, you know, who have trained with me in India. They have come from, uh, we have trainings every year in India, you know, uh, 21 day training immersion. So be students who have been studying with me for a long time and there have been students who uh, come to India for just came back from India. Actually, we did a training for March, April of 2012. So there were a lot of people there. So there will be people teaching. So also, you know, I'm here. There's such a big community forming. So it'll be nice for people to keep coming together, gather and in a sacred space and and share, you know. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, so can, can you uh, describe a little bit to our audience Sattva Yoga? You know, your, your, and now sattva yoga, a form of yoga that is um, uh, very familiar to those in India? Sattva yoga is, you know, it's a, I'm the one who, you know, for explanation's sake, I'm the one who founded it. means that because I, with my study, you know, I, looking at the yoga that is prevalent uh, right now in the world, you know, it's predominant, it's very, fragmentary I see you know that it's okay this style or this style or this style so but when I was practicing or all my studying and you know it's it's a, yoga is a whole you know there is a, it's a whole practice it's a complete practice it has to work on every level not just on the asana or just a meditation you know there is such depth to the practice and that's what sattva means uh, the vision with creating the sattva for me was to create a whole holistic practice you know which uh, uh, doesn't exclude anything. You know, you see sometimes there are just strong meditators, but they are not practicing the Hara part. But then there are a lot of, now it's Hara yoga really exploding onto the global scene. But you see that it's creating great physical health, but sometimes not so much stillness, you know. Mm -hmm. So uh, 
the sattva is, you know, you're working with tantra, you're working with mantra and sound and vibration and of course the different asanas and kriyas and mudras and uh, all the wisdom and evolutionary sciences also working with, you know, cutting edge uh, recent discoveries about human body and human consciousness and brain and uh, so it's uh, what I like to call it's an holistic evolutionary practice which uh, includes all the tradition yet keeps room for what is being uh, what's coming up in human consciousness now mm -hmm, mm -hmm. lovely and I, I i i feel like this is the time this is the time where people have more and more of an understanding here in the western hemisphere they're having more and more of an understanding that that yoga is not just about the asanas but it is all-encompassing it is truly a way of life so mm -hmm. what you're doing i i believe it feels very much in alignment with the flow. It's almost like everyone's had an introduction. Now it's to yes. delve a little deeper into all the different aspects. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> wonderful. So you have centers all around. So do you also have a center in Russia where you're teaching? Yeah, we are looking into opening one there. I go to Russia and teach there in Russia and you know in Moscow and in Siberia. So we are looking into in recent future opening a center there too. Mm -hmm. And I hear it's um, uh, yoga is really also touched in UK. Ha, do you teach? Have you taught in UK? No, I've never, never actually been to UK in Europe. I mean, I've been to Europe all over, but uh, interestingly, never been to UK. You know, uh, I've been invited there, but it's sometimes you know there is only as much you can do in in the time. So uh, <laughs> you mean there's only one uh, of you? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but it's wonderful. Now we're training teachers. You know, there are more and more teachers. So they can go and teach so that I don't have to go everywhere. And the teachers, you know, all these young people who are so magnificent and committed can go and teach. And that's what I'm really enjoying about LA too. There's so much uh, eager young people here, you know, who are really uh, seeking depth and, and freedom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So so what, what does it take for an individual to go through your teacher training? Because I'm assuming that that's what they go through when they come to learn with you is they go through a certain teacher training. Yeah, there are different trainings, you know, they go to trainings and then a lot of students just come and study for a long time depending on their life, you know, how much uh, space they have, a room they have in their in their life. You know, some students come and they stay for a couple of months and some stay for three months and some stay for a month. For the trainings, you know, we have, uh, you begin with the, either you begin with Warrior of Wisdom, this program that I developed, it's called Warriors of Wisdom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To really dip into the the warrior within, you know, I believe this time that we are living in is of the warrior consciousness, not the warrior, but the warrior, you know, and warrior of wisdom, not the violent kind, but this deep grounded being of intelligence. Mm -hmm. So that's one training you begin with, or the the Sattva Yoga teacher training, which is again a twenty one day module immersion, you know. So you are really immersed in it day in and day out. And India, that's where you that these are the beginnings, and uh, there are different. Courses available, which they can find on, you know, mysatva.com on the website. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so as you train these uh, new up-and-coming yogis, I mean, there, I've I've heard different, you know, different people saying different things. Where you know, it takes um, it takes a lot of training and a lot of experience to be able to actually teach something, you know, to its fullest potential. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, you see, uh, thankfully, so that uh, we can never reach the fullest potential of yoga, you know. <laughs> you can always be on the way. 
you know, because the yoga by its very nature is evolutionary and life is constantly evolving. So you cannot reach it, the end of it. You know, so by the when we define Kundalini, or the, which is the point of yoga to take you to your infinite potential. So how can you reach the end of your infinite potential? Mm-hmm. So it's a non-comparative ladder. All it takes above all, I, I always tell, is what shows what is the most important is your sincerity and willingness mm-hmm. to constantly show up. You know, and then it doesn't matter how much time you have spent. You know, you just have to be very realistic that there are certain limitations you will have on an information level, on a skill set level. But uh, the most important thing is the state of your consciousness. And state of your consciousness is the real conduit of how the teachings flow through you, you know, how you channel them. Mm-hmm. So when you learn to really tune yourself to that source, then you're, you're not bound by linear progression in time. There will be certain aspects which will be, you know, subservient to the linear movement in time. But the truest part of you doesn't exist in time. Mm-hmm. And that's the most important part of the training is to really access that part of you. You know, that's what all yoga was really for. That in your evol- in that radical shift in being, time has to end. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, you, you, the tra- training doesn't stop that. You just do the 21-day or month training and you end. You constantly keep learning and evolving. You never stop learning. Only then you can really keep teaching. Um, do you find that some students, is like they dedicate themselves and they're they're very diligent and they're very strict and then suddenly they kind of go all right i need a break (laughs) i need a break and kind of like go into the the more you know sort of they haven't quite figured out how to align their life with the yogic life you see uh my teachings are not idealistic you know so they're not about a certain that this is how you need to be so I had never really uh, faced that, that you, this is how you need to be or this is what you need to do, you know. Uh, you have to trust your own intelligence and you have to be you. And uh, as I always say, you know, you, sincerity and seriousness are not the same things, you know. Uh, you don't have to be serious in your life. You have to be sincere, mm-hmm. but you have to have fun, you know. You have to be laughing and sharing and dancing with joy. So explore life and discover and and be adventurous you know so it's not uh, in clash with that or there is a strictness to it you know there is intelligence to it and intelligence is fun Mm -hmm. so you're really going intelligence when you're in your intelligence you just have more fun with life and and uh, you are able to create more uh, a better way of life for your fellow beings Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. lovely anand in the in the film itself there was this beautiful one of your teachers that was interviewed quite often. Um, it was a woman. Yes. Uh, tell us a little bit about her. Yeah, her name is uh, Vijaya. You know, uh, Vijaya means the victorious one, and uh, she is magnificent. You know, as you saw, she is really beautiful and uh, very, very full of love. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how she is. She's just love and. Uh, very powerfully intuitive, you know, uh, extremely powerful channel. And uh, yeah, I've uh, I've had a great love affair with her. It's been uh, magnificent. She was actually at the airport uh, seeing me off, you know. She loves uh, seeing me off at the airport when she can. So she lives in Delhi right now. She's uh, She used to live in Rishikesh, but uh, she's lived in different parts of India. And right now she's living in Delhi and she often comes and visits me when we are when I'm in India at the center and she comes and 
shares with the students her stories. You know, she loves telling stories. So that's her way of teaching in a very simple story manner. Uh, so she comes and shares, and above all, she has this deep, uh, you know, which is the most profound thing is love. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, you, she she just exudes it on film. You could see it. You, yeah. You can you yeah. just see the light coming out of her heart, and just yeah. you know, very very much so. And and how wonderful yeah. that she tells stories because um, it's so uh, I I call it the elder wisdom, and and I call it talk story, which is uh, so much in the indigenous cultures as well. Their teachings are through story. Yes. That's wonderful. And uh, is she one of your the main teachers that you continue to follow? Uh, we now sit and laugh more and, and just uh, <laughs> share uh, nitty-gritties, you know. It's not so much following, but we, we as one of, I'm deeply connected with her and I'm just connected, period. But uh, on an individualistic level, she's, yeah, she's, uh, we have a deep connection. Mm. Mm, lovely, very lovely. And um, now, during the journey on the highest pass, you ended up um, sort of like at the ultimate goal, which is the highest, is it the, hi the highest point? Yeah, the highest reliable road, yeah. And there was a beautiful, beautiful structure there where you all went in and there was like um, almost what we would call like a shaman there, a woman that was sort of reading or channeling for each of you. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience? Like like what exactly she does and and the experience that you had there? Yeah, you know, this was uh, I I had met her once before uh, in LA and uh so I wanted to share that with all the all the all the writers and the students. I wanted to give them that experience and she's coming from uh she's called an an oracle right mm -hmm. uh, so that's from the vajrayana tradition which is the tantric buddhism you know which is the buddhism which uh, dalai lama uh, mm -hmm. is a part of uh, uh, so if you have to you look at the the, the vajrayana tradition you see it uh, originates it's a combination of yoga and the teachings of the buddha you know so the one of the the first teacher with all uh, tibetan buddhists or you know the vajrayana tradition people who are following the dalai lama they follow, it traces his lineage back to Padma Sambhava, you know. And Padma Sambhava was this, this Indian master who crossed Himalayas and went into Tibet. And uh, he was an Indian yogi who was deeply influenced by Buddha's teaching. So he bought and uh, created this unique mix of <clears throat> the teachings of the Buddha and, and the Tantra. So, which is very similar, you know, that the Tantra has this uh, ways of channeling and the shamanistic practices and, uh, you know, going into story and the myth and different states of conscious, altered states of consciousness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the oracle is a part of that, uh, that state of consciousness and she goes into this trance state, you know, she does a ceremony and she goes and that's sometimes a week she will do it. She does a specific ceremony alone and then uh, she goes into this trance state and then she starts to channel. The most interesting thing about it is that she's from Ladakh, you know, and Ladakh has a, its own local dialect, which is Ladakhi language, which is very different from Tibetan, you know. But when she goes into this trance state, she speaks only in Tibetan. But when she's in her mundane conscious, out of that state, she doesn't know any word of Tibetan. She can't speak Tibetan. <laughs> wow. 
So, so there has to be a translator. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there has to be a translator there. And, uh, you know, she really goes into this altered state, which, you know, that's why in yoga we constantly talk of the, the infinite as Shakti. You know, there's this, mm-hmm. this immense intuitive power in the feminine. So most of the oracles are, are female. You know, they have this deep intuitive Shakti in them. So she channels this Shakti and uh, people go and ask questions. All the villagers go there from uh, from the local town, you know, village. They go when she's in there to ask questions or if they have any problems in life. And she tries, she helps them by answering their questions. So that's where people, and it's not, you cannot go there with any expectation because she might not give you the answer you want, you know, or she might not even answer you at all. So that's the funny thing. You know, it's so beautiful to see there's this raw, authentic honesty there, you know. She's not there to please you or anything. So it's not about the ego at all. It's a very wonderful experience. And I think everybody on the trip had a powerful experience with that. Isn't that interesting? It's like so many people go to uh, fortune tellers here, so to say, and they have their palms read or their cards read and and they come out either they're really happy because it's something they wanted to hear or you know they're they're just completely turned off and they don't want to go back to see that person because what was read wasn't something that they were hoping for (laughs) (laughs) so so when she's doing these readings they're actually in tibetan then because she's channeling at the time is that correct yes yes and and how long does she stay in that trance state? Oh, depends, you know, maybe from anywhere from uh, 15 minutes to 45 minutes so, to an hour. Like, so it'd be in an and hour out. <clears throat> and then she'd see, like, for each of you who are in the writing group, um, she would come in and out of that state, so it's only, she would only see people... No, no, not in, in and out state? of that state. When she enters that state, she's in that state. And when she comes out, then she's not going to go back in it immediately. Because she has to, you know, it takes a lot of lot of energy yes. to enter and come in and out. Yeah. So uh, she, in that when day when we were there with the riders, she was in it for around 40, 40 minutes or something like that. Mm. <clears throat> Interesting. So, so Anand, what what did you get out of the trip? What 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 did you feel was your if there was any, like your transition or your fullest experience out of this trip, away from guiding my, so many people? The fullest experience for me, you see, I always tell this, that the, for me, the biggest joy is to see when I, you know, uh, when uh, I see the people around me evolve and, and really step into their true self. There is nothing more rewarding than that, you know. Mm-hmm. So there is always more joy in that. When you can, so for me to see the people, you know, each and every one of them had that radical shift and and access that that potentiality of themselves, uh, it was immensely fulfilling. So, which cannot be compared to anything personal, you know, what I got. For me, there there is no other. They're part of me. When uh, any student is with me, I feel they are part of my spirit. You know, they're part of my space. I don't feel any separation. So their experience becomes mine. Mm-hmm. So it was a very, uh, very deeply fulfilling, as always, to see this, everybody involved have such amazing experience and uh, that radical shift of being, you know, mm-hmm. and and to uh, 
I knew in that mind that it was just the beginning. You know, it has to be that shift will continue and sometimes, you know, takes you a while for you to even realize that how much you have shifted, you see. Yes. So uh, hearing from them now, as you, you know, you uh, met some of them in your interviews, uh, to see how they have applied and how they deeply their lives have shifted really is, is magnificent to see. It's very deeply um, touching, yeah. Mm. Mm. So, uh, in some part of this, when when it was revealed that that you were supposed to die at twenty seven, not saying if it mm -hmm. was your your actual being itself, of course, and you take this journey, and of course you're still sitting here alive and well. <laughs> so, was that a big transitional point for you? In, in your life that that it was like a rebirth for you you see uh, I've always looked at living and dying as part of the one you know so uh, the real that has to be of constantly of the things which are not you you know and one has to constantly keep dying to what is unreal and it's an ongoing death so that you can keep living so that was yes the next chapter you know, for as my teacher, you know, she was saying in the movie for her, it also she saw that it was the next chapter, just the next phase. And, you know, as we keep going through our next phases in life, you know, so uh, that age for me was the next phase of going into next phase. And uh, that's why I was taking the journey at that time. Okay, let's, you know, we are going to the next phase. Why not start it off with a great adventure and uh, and then see what divine, you know what universe wants us to experience <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> just a little fall off the motorcycle and that wonderful helmet you are wearing <laughs> yeah crazy grace <laughs> crazy grace <laughs> instead of saving grace it was crazy grace you see, uh, uh, there is no saving grace, the grace is always crazy you know, Yeah. because yeah, you see the grace or what we, you know, grace is just another name for love, that unconditional intelligent love, which uh, is what keeps us alive without any effort. Mm. But it is because it is so supremely intelligent and it is so unconditional. So it's always present. So to the mind, it always seems crazy. Mm -hmm. That's why the mind is constantly trying to figure out life. It's constantly trying to control life. It's constantly afraid because to really be attuned to grace seems crazy to the mind, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know. So that's why in India, you know, one of the names for the mystics was Masta, the mad ones, you know. <laughs> that's who, who perfect. Just I love that. Just intoxicated with life. <laughs> uh, so grace will always seem crazy to the mind. Love, that fierce love, you know, the fierce grace, that unconditional love will always seem crazy to the mind, a little uh, uncomfortable to the mind. Right, right. Yeah. I love that. The mad ones. Perfect. <laughs> Now that it is, is the perfection. mad ones and the awakened ones both are out of their minds. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. That's perfect. That is truly perfect. Uh, you have to be out of your mind to to align with all this. Yeah. You know that's the the biggest scripture on yoga is Bhagavad Gita and. Uh, that's one thing, the main teaching that Krishna gives to Arjuna, be thou the master of your mind, Arjuna, not the master of the thousand armies. And you can only master your mind when you're outside of your mind. How can you master your mind from within your mind? 
I love it. Yeah. The mad ones, be out of your mind. I love it. I, that that should be somewhere on your website because I think that will speak to people. That will really. That's I love that because I I believe in learning and fun and and if you take the fun out of learning, it, it just doesn't it doesn't go into the cells. You know, it just doesn't. Yes. People don't resonate um, at all. Yes, you see, it's the same thing, you know, Christina, like serving, you know, the only way money can make you happy. And they have done statistical surveys, you know, does money, can money make you happy? And people say, no, money can't buy happiness, but actually money can make you happy if you spend it on other people, mm -hmm. you know, when you give it to other people. So when we begin to realize that by serving absolutely by, you know, not by hoarding and holding on and just trying to save myself, when we begin to really realize because all, everybody is seeking joy and, 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 and a passionate life, you see. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you begin to realize by opening your hearts and pouring yourself out, you know, in the service of other than forgetting about your story, really give, creates an exciting life, everybody would start doing it. I agree. I agree. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't take a lot to give. Yes. <laughs> it just takes that one movement. <laughs> Yeah, it just takes, you know, the the most important thing that you need is willingness. Are you willing to be alive? That's the question, you know. Yes. You know, my master always used to say, either in life you can be free or you can die trying to be safe. And then let me know how it works out for you. He <laughs> 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 so, said the keyword is trying to be safe. <laughs> the more... Security you seek, the more insecure you get. There you go. I, I'm, completely, I'm completely with you on that. I, I like that too. You have to have all these sayings all over your site. I mean, because it brings it brings such laughter. You know, it's like, that's a good one. <laughs> because it's easily accessible and it's understandable. Yeah. <laughs> um, what, what do these, uh, uh, some of your teachers or mentors, what do they think about your, how do they feel about your way of, of introducing, um, your form of introducing those to this form of yoga or to this world of yoga, basically, with, uh, you know, with the bungee jumping, with the motorcycle riding? Yeah, you see, you know, the, most of my masters who were in the physical realm, uh, they are not anymore in the physical realm, uh, you know. Uh, um, couple of them are and they are very excited and and uh, you know they always giggle and and laugh and they're very keenly interested and they always love that this new fresh perspective that are, that you know that we are bringing in right. while still keeping the the diamonds of the tradition alive you know and and bringing the evolution to it so i think that's the how humanity can keep growing and learning is when we can really create this unity or yoga between the times, you know? Yes. So uh, I really love it and, and the masters love it too, you know? Even the ones who are not in the physical realm often come and, and uh, in their own uh, subtle ways share their uh, their joy. Well, <laughs> something just came to me. He did it. He mastered it. He's out of his mind. <laughs> 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 he's creating yeah. he's really teaching the baseline madness <laughs> oh that's wonderful really wonderful well so your visions of course is to create these centers all over the world and globally and 
and uh, invite people to to have a have fun and live life to the fullest. Yeah, live life to the fullest. You know, live a passionate, serviceful life. Because you know, as you awaken to your passion, the natural movement of you becomes to serve. Mm-hmm. That's just very natural. You just when you are so full inside, all you want to do is then give it because just that's the only thing left. It's not even a choice anymore. So, so but for you to do that, you have to tap into that strength, that infinite potential of you. And for that, you need to be willing and then take certain steps, mm-hmm. which are required, you know. And, and above all, you have to really let go of all these delusional fears, you know. All we, you know, all, the only thing we have is time and all the thing we don't have is time. Mm-hmm. So we have to be very present to the opportunity. And one of the great vision is to really, you know, uh, to to deeply help the children of this world. And uh, and I mean, I think we are all children of this, you know, of this planet. And and above all, we have to, as children of this planet, we have to help each other, and we have to serve our mother. And we can, have, you know, she wants us. Our the the planet wants produces so much fruit, and and uh, the planet is about joy. You know, it wants you to to experience to life to the fullest. It it wants to experience life. You know, you to experience life in all its. Uh, multiplicity and it's all its uniqueness mm-hmm. you know so many flowers so many species there's so much to explore on our on our magnificent place so only when we begin to awaken we will stop to stop abusing ourselves stop abusing our communities and our people and stop abusing our mother planet you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes yes i i completely agree with you there i think more and more people are coming to that realization is that yes. you know we, we've taken such advantage of this beauty that surrounds us, and you know that saying, you know, stop and smell the flowers or the roses. You know, society has come to the point where they've forgotten to do so much of that. Yeah, the thing is, Christina, they have not the they have not taken the advantage of it because uh, to take advantage of it would be only by awakening to it. You know, so they have utilized it and abused it, but not. Taken advantage because when you take really advantage of the gifts that existence has to offer, you start to experience this immense radical freedom. Mm-hmm. You know, there is the end of consumption, over consumption, you know, mm-hmm. and, and abuse, it just disappears. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, and so as you as you move through all all your your journey this journey as it continues to unfold and the madness becomes overwhelming <laughs> the madness actually becomes such stillness that's that's sort of my, that's sort of yes. my sense of everything that's uh, that's unfolding um, and uh, the educating of children I know you're doing that there in your country what I do you see a, a transitional point? here in society, whether it be the Western society or the, even the Eastern society, because I also feel that, you know, in the Eastern society, like places in Asia, you know, it's very materialistic based. Um, and the children are, <clears throat> have been brought up in, in that sort of world where to have something materialistic, the iPad, the newest iPad. <laughs> you know? um, do you feel that uh, uh, you could, because children are so smart, and as you say, like we are, are such amazing beings, and our system is, is really miraculous. As, as far as I'm concerned, 
the human body, yes. the human being is miraculous. There is no end to what we can and cannot learn. It is whatever is put around us, you know, that we're told yes or no, that we can or cannot do something. Um, do you feel that there might be a time where you'd be able to tap into the children more directly? Yeah, you know, I, I really think that we, uh, you know, the setting of the Kushi and as we are, in, you know, uh, increasing in its own possibilities, I don't look at India as just my country. I, I, you know, I think as human beings, it's our planet. We, you know, we have to, this idea of my country, your country is old mm -hmm. and it has to end. The time has come for that idea to end. You know, we are living in a global village. We're not living in different nations and, you know, boundaries. Yes, there is a practical application to it. But in our thinking, we have to think globally. You know, only then we will have uh, stop kids dying of obesity in America and kids dying of hunger in Africa. Mm -hmm. You know, that's uh, when we let go of this. There is in one country, there is so much amounts of food being thrown. And then in other country, there is uh, not enough food to feed the kids. So we have to really start thinking globally and, and not just think on a nationalistic level. And uh, coming to the second part of your thing, I think we have to really create education, look at education now as a different way. How are we educating our kids, you know? The global system, and you are very right, the global system of education as it evolved, you know, it coincided with the growth of industrialization. You know, the, the global system of education and the global industrialization movement is kind of coincided. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So all the education system around the world predominantly, and that doesn't mean all, but a lot of it majority-wise is based on the industrialization module. So we are only teaching kids to, to you know, make a living. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, all the, whether it is engineering or, you know, it's all to slog it out so that you can uh, get a job and uh, or start up, you know. So I think this... There has to be now we have to look at education as education of consciousness, education for life. And uh, where we are learning the information level, but we are not ignoring the consciousness because above all, we are consciousness, conscious beings and our predominant experience is internal. You know, we have such a rich internal world. But in our education system, we have no education as far as internal mm -hmm. world goes. Mm -hmm. What, cre what that creates is such dysfunctional, such scarring in our children from a young age. Competitiveness and, you know, this idea of who is popular, I am popular kid and not a popular kid and, you know, a lot of friends are not friends, you are a winner, you are a loser, which has resulted in, you know, in America, this kids coming out and doing this shooting. Yes. You know, they, they realized that with research that 80% of these children or these young kids who were involved in the mass shooting were on antidepressants. Mm. Yes. You know, so we have to create, uh, we have to look into an education system which is more based on a holistic way. Of course, we have to keep the technological and, you know, arts alive and, and also the consciousness. So we have to, now it's time for us to look, uh, shift our focus on education. And that's what, in my little way, you know, that's the little experiment we have started with Kushi now, you know, to really how we can create uh, and manifest that uh, that vision onto a practical module. You know, mm -hmm. so we have, they are learning skills also, vocational studies, they're learning uh, arts and crafts, a lot of time on that, yoga and meditation and, and community building and how to take care of each other uh, and uh, really going into the meaning of life. And, you know, we 
treat them as adults and ask their views and what they want and what they look into mm-hmm. not just tell them oh this is the right thing to do because they are more in tune with the times sometimes oh yeah absolutely i i agree with you there's so, a there's a simplicity in children yeah that, uh, yeah so definitely we need a, a shift and uh, i'm passionate about it so we are you know i'm trying to see how we can make it more manifested wonderful now anand has anyone asked you yes. about yourself are you uh do you have any thoughts about yourself having children and raising a family i you know it's a i've never think in future to be honest you know i feel i already have that i have families you know it's not i have a big family mm-hmm. uh, you know for for me everybody i meet i feel that i they're my family they're part of me they're part of so deeply connected so and the kids i feel have so many you know all the kids in the uh, in our foundation i feel they are my kids you know it's not just as i said we have to think not from my country and my children i mean mm-hmm. all the kids are our kids and that's the time i think that's the calling so for me i don't feel that my kids are only kids who are produced from my fluids you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or i have ownership over uh, you know the kids that i am interacting with are part of my family they are my kids that's how i feel so mm-hmm. i've never really people often ask me that or oh, when are you going to get married or have kids i really never that vision doesn't cross my mind not yet you're having too much fun <laughs> <laughs> so are you implying you only get married and make family when you stop having fun <laughs> uh, well, you know i i have to tell you i have to tell you um you know being a parent i have more fun than ever because it's exactly you know see? i always say my uh, child is my zen master and and teaches me to reconnect and to have fun in life and to play all over again and and i know i've been i've been told i've been pretty weird or crazy and i go yes i am <laughs> but children are are magnificent and i think you know in our world not uh, everybody has to be married or everybody has to have children or everybody has to do everything you know we can express our uniqueness in our own different ways and they're all magnificent Absolutely. and uh, i love love kids and when i think they're i love the kids i love elderly people and i just love people you know the kids are magnificent i love spending time with them whenever i get a chance you know i love being with the children because there is just so such a simplicity and you can just play mm-hmm. you know at that, with that they don't have so many so much information stuffed up into their brains of what's right and what's wrong and what they need to be and how they are not good enough and you know what it's just there there's just a simple presence which is so beautiful as on uh, you know often times sometimes i say the only problem in a kid's life is an adult uh, yes <laughs> i yes yes so the, as we talk about education we have to educate the we have to educate adults and uh, so that we can create an environment where kids can keep evolving naturally mm-hmm. I agree and and it really is they're such they're so our future and if we can just um help them to to create the awareness and the consciousness at that child level then it it uh it will begin to shift more and more the planet and what's happening in our planet definitely so so anand uh, as we come close to the top of our hour um i always ask my guests i mean is there something that you would uh like to share with the audience um a piece of information or guidance or or just a saying away from the out of your mind <laughs> uh you know 
what I would like to say is to that you matter. Whoever is listening, that you matter profoundly. That you matter. Every action, every thought, every you matter immensely. You know, the way you are, you matter. And when you realize that, you get this immense sense of responsibility and responsibility or an opportunity, rather. You know, that you matter so deeply that every little thing you do to awaken yourself or, or to make uh, a shift in anybody's life is of paramount importance. And even though it might not be acknowledged by anybody or it might not be applauded by other beings, it is of no consequence. But your movement is beyond all of these acknowledgements and applaud or, you know, any of that. So we have to realize that. That's my... But that's what I would like to share to realize uh, that you matter. You know, you matter. Everything, every thought, every movement originating from you matters. Not just to you, but for, for the whole, for the for our Earth, for the whole of our planet. Mm -hmm. And you have an immense opportunity. You know, you are an opportunity for the universe to to evolve. You know, the heart. I always say the heart of existence is longing for you. For you to awaken, for you, to, it's just the universe, the purpose of universe is to support you in your growth. The universe was birthed so that we can grow and evolve, you know. For all the reasons that we shouldn't be here, that there should not be life in our universe, we are alive. And this is uh, a magic, you know, that we are alive here. In this inhospitable universe, you know, when we look around just the green belt of the, the third position from the sun, and there are so many probabilities of why we couldn't have been, but of all of those, for us to be here is is love, and and that means that there is something immensely powerful in each and every one of us, and uh, to have no doubt, you know, to rise and let go of the fears and to to get in it fully. Hmm. Lovely. Thank you so much, Anand, for honoring us here at uh, Trinity of Life at YHTV. It's been a pleasure having you on the show, getting to know you a little bit more. And mm -hmm, thank uh, you. I, <clears throat> I hope that we can share your teachings uh, more and more as your journey begins to expand and mm -hmm. we can follow you. You see, this is the, the easiest way is through Skype. You can be in Russia, you can be in China, you can be in India, and we can still yes. tap you through. Yeah, you see, I think it's the uh, technology is the, you know, internet is the quantum mind, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is, you know, in the earlier times, the yoga, you talk about that you could be sitting in the Himalayas and you could have a conversation with a fellow being if you were in tune with a fellow being sitting in uh, in New Delhi. And this is, uh, now you don't have to be so much in tune, you can just switch on the sky. So... <laughs> <laughs> this is the new form of meditation and connecting. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the, that's uh, the quantum mind now, you know, uh, the the collective field that Buddha talked about. This is it. <laughs> I think the name that they called it the World Wide Web, I think is perfect. It truly is a web, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is an interconnected field, you know. That's right. So the, the next time you go meditating in the Himalayas, make sure that you bring your iPad or something and we'll Skype you through. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll bring the iPad, but you bring the internet connection. <laughs> <laughs> Now that would be something. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Anand, and we look forward to uh, having you back on the show again and following your journeys. 
and many, many blessings of love to surround everything that you do and your organization and your gifts to so many. And we can only hope that we can um, help support you in any way that we can to grow your organizations and, and spread that love throughout the world. Thank you. Namaste. And uh, wonderful for, uh, for what you do. You know, it's magnificent work, what you are doing and sharing. And this is what we need. And it's such a great platform, you know, to reach people. So thank you and uh, blessings. Thank you, Anand.